You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Hour number two of The Rob Carson Show. In the third hour, next hour, we're going to be talking to uh, Dick Morris about the presidential race, the GOP primary, all of that stuff. I'm going to be going to uh, New Hampshire tomorrow. Um, and then broadcasting live for New Hampshire Thursday and Friday. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Although, <laughs> yesterday I, I decided to try on that uh, new uh, blue suit that I bought for uh, the visit to Mar-a-Lago. I went to Mar-a-Lago for dinner about a year, a little over a year ago, and I bought a new suit for it, right? And so I <laughs> went and tried on this suit, and I, I looked like... Uh, I look like David Byrne from Talking Heads and Stop Making Sense. If that's a little deep, uh, he just wore this giant oversized suit, you know, and that's kind of what I look like. And and literally, you can't. Can you take up pants that have a you know seven inch gather around the waist, or should you just start over? Yeah, I think we should just start over. (laughs) So I got I got to go buy some clothes today. Although I don't think I'm going to be wearing a a suit uh, while I'm broadcasting live because you know I don't like wearing suits very often. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a suit wearing guy. If I had to wear a suit every day, I it would not be good. I, I had enough trouble uh, wearing a shirt that I had to tuck in every day when I sold cars. It was, it was not good. So uh, we'll give you all the uh, sights and sounds of that as they uh, as they happen on Thursday and Friday live from New Hampshire. So uh, I like to say that we're winning. And I also like to say that we're beginning to uh, turn away from nonsense and back to common sense. Um, and here are some good signs. Here are some good signs that we are rejecting the insanity that has been ushered into our culture the last few years. And it is insanity, all of this transgender nonsense, the concept of uh, uh, allowing a child to uh, uh, have uh, auto- autonomy, bodily autonomy, when it comes to changing their gender, which is not possible. <clears throat> mutilating their bodies, uh, interrupting the natural puberty they go through and ruining their lives sexually, uh, you know, for reproduction and other purposes forever. And that was suddenly ushered in like it never happened. Like, oh, yeah, kids always want to be transgendered, you know. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, disinformation and misinformation. We've been talking, yeah, there's disinformation. I was like, what? where did that come from? All of this has been ushered in and we're just supposed to act like it's normal. And it's fine. And what the the uh, the Democrats always do, if you relent, then they call you somebody with an ism or a phobia. <clears throat> so if you say that you don't want four-year-olds uh, believing that uh, boys and girls can have penises, you're a transphobe. That's what they do. But it, it's really beginning to uh, fall on deaf ears, cries of racism, cries of this and that, when it's, when it's, not, uh, when it's not real. And uh, so people are beginning to uh, say, eh, I don't think so. Bud Light distributors have given up uh, hope for sales in the return, to, the return to normal. Customers have made a choice. This is according to the New York Post. Customers have made a choice, said the executive uh, beer distributor in Texas, didn't want to be identified. They have left Bud Light. That's how it's going to be. I don't envision a big percentage of them coming back. Now, I remember uh, when I was uh, in college, you know, and, and after college, you know, there, were, there were beverages that you were uh, loyal to. You know, like, for instance, my, my rallies in Iowa, they drink Bush Light. They, they, they are Bush Light people. I, I got my nephew a Bush Light Hawaiian shirt, right? It, that's it. 
That's it. If Bush Light hired a transgendered individual to make fun of women while telling uh, Bush Light drinkers to, to drink Bush Light, uh, they'd probably switch brands because that would be an insult to them. And that's what Bud Light did. That's what Bud Light did. They brought this millennial advertising executive in, and she looked down her nose at the, particularly the men who drink Bud Light. They're a bunch of frat boys, right? You know, people who like to, what's up? What's up? And people who like the talking frogs and people who like the Spuds McKenzie and all that. That was all, that was all masculine and passe. So they brought in Dylan Mulvaney, and look what happened. It, it, it's sad, too. Because I, I live in the Midwest, I, I used to live in Missouri, and some of the larger employers in like cities like Columbia, Missouri, which is the center of the, uh, the state, uh, is, the, uh, is the Budweiser distributor. <clears throat> they have the anchor. They're the anchor. They're like the Macy's in the mall. And if you distribute Budweiser, boom, you're set. You're going you're gonna to do well, particularly in Missouri, because, you know, the beer's made in St. Louis. But uh, people are saying, no, man, it's just it's not that important. They're not going to raise their Bud Lights anymore at bars when uh, Sweet Caroline comes on. No, they're not going to do it. Yeah. So uh, one poll said the majority of Americans supported the boycott against Bud Light. 30% said they were opposed, but that was not enough. Uh, so Bud Light doesn't appear to be making a comeback. We just said, you know, no, we're not dealing with this nonsense. You know, you, my mom was a woman. My, my sister was a woman. My, my daughter is a woman. And I, and I refuse to, to allow this to happen, to have a buffoon, a cartoon, come on and say, hey, it's my first day as a girl, it's my 100th day as a girl, and my 200th day as a girl, and all of a sudden this, this, this person is giving your wife and daughter advice on how to be a woman? Really? It was an insult. It was an insult. Also, Sound of Freedom is kicking butt at the box office, despite the left saying it is somehow a QAnon conspiracy, I guess, to stop child trafficking. I suppose that's bad or something with the left. They had a $20 million grand opening. They have garnered $148 million. And then they're going to open in uh, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, a dozen Central and South American countries. This is why I said I, I'm hoping that this maybe will be a bellwether shift with regard to the trafficking of children around the world with the number one destination for most of them, many of them, the United States of America. I discovered that in the, in the, uh, in the movie. But the Guardian said it's Sound of Freedom is a QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. No, it's not. It's a, it's a true story about a, uh, a DHS agent who was arresting um, or actually uh, uh, finding uh, pedophiles um, but never saving the children. You know, he said, like, how about we stop it before it happens? Uh, Washington Bo said the movies, the uh, film's villains are common criminals, not the shadowy cabal of occultists imagined by QAnoners. What's QAnon? Ask somebody from the Washington Post to call somebody who is a QAnon devotee. Get them on the phone, please. A Bloomberg article uh, uh, published by the Washington Post said that QAnon and The Sound of Freedom both rely on tired Hollywood tropes. It's a true story. It's not a tired Hollywood trope. But we're winning. 150 million bucks. 150 million bucks. And now a lot of people are beginning to see the insanity of the left. Um, a lot of people are beginning to see the 
60 years plus of Democrat leadership in cities like Chicago and Baltimore and how things in the black community are worse than they have ever been, have ever been. Honestly, can you think of a time they were worse for black children and black adults in America's inner cities? Can you think of a time that's worse? I cannot. I cannot. Nearly 50 people were shot, five of them fatally, Friday into Sunday in uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson, Chicago. You didn't think it could get worse after Beetlejuice, 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 didn't you? Yeah, actually worse. The Sun-Times pointed out 342 people were killed in Chicago from January the 1st through July 30th of this year. And Democrats fear that uh, black voters will not show up for President Joe Biden in the presidential election next year. Should he be the nominee? Democrats are at least partially basing their newfound concern on a steep decline in participation in the midterm election last year among black voters, dropping from 51% to 42%. You know? Democrat activists are cautioning that the party cannot uh, afford to let support from black voters slip. Uh, uh, Mondale Robinson, the founder of the Black Male Project, the Black Male Voter Project, said they should focus more on turning out black men, viewing them as swing voters who are debating whether to vote or stay home. The uh, the uh, Washington Post concluded that while b- many black voters feel alienated by both sides and do not feel as if their lives have improved under Democrats or Republicans, leading to a general sense of disillusionment in the political process. In other words, the left's current messaging, namely attacking Trump, isn't working to motivate the voters they need to show up. And the left has done a really good job demonizing Donald Trump. But I'm going to tell you what young man, black or white, wouldn't want to be Donald Trump. Wouldn't want to have, uh, like, for instance, when he had the the best-selling television show, the biggest show in America. He had uh, women at the snap of a finger. He had a private jet. You're telling me that wouldn't resonate with black and white and any Young man, want to be like Donald Trump, but the left did a very good job wrecking, wrecking, wrecking him, making him like some sort of a racist. And then Donald Trump said, hey, man, what do you got to lose to the black community? And now we've seen with three years of Joe Biden as president how much they could lose. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty bad. It's really bad. This is uh, Brittany Smith, the executive director of the Philadelphia-based Black Leadership Pack. Uh, they want to put food on the table, a roof over their heads, send kids to good schools, live in neighborhoods that are safe. I know, really, right? I know. Democrats are, never would acknowledge that. I don't think the issues are new. It's the way we talk about them and the way we're centering the voice of the people who live in these communities. What has the Democrat Party done, guys? What, what has the Democrat Party done? I always say they, they always expect the black vote. And when the election day happens, they make a lot of promises and they get up and they leave money on the dresser. The next morning. They do. That's the way it is. It's the way it is. This is CNN. CNN did a report on, uh, on black voters uh, leaving the party, and, and particularly black uh, male voters. Because honestly, you know, in our country, and, and I've witnessed this in my, in my years in broadcasting, we've seen a uh, demasculinization of the society, which has uh, come around to not only declaring that masculinity is toxic, but also saying that men should become women. And this has been happening for a very long time. In the popular media, men, fathers are made to look buffoonish. Uh, the last uh, dad on, on popular television who was uh, worth his salt was uh, uh, a Cliff Huxtable. He was a, he was a positive father, but by and large, fathers are made to look like buffoonish caricatures, etc. 
and we feminize the culture and we've infantilized the culture and we've allowed men to be 35 and still uh, you know playing video games and uh, and skateboarding uh, you know and that's all fine and everything but there's also a time you need to grow up but uh, this has also happened. Uh, uh, the, the, the black man in the black family has been replaced by the state. Uh, I've, I've, this, is, this is what has happened with regard to the great society. And look what's happened. Look what's happened to the nuclear family, etc. And maybe people are beginning to realize that the Democrat Party always promises and never, and never comes through. And never comes through. This is CNN with their report on why uh, black voters are leaving, and particularly men, leaving the Democrat Party. Look, black voters are the part, the core part of the Democratic Party. And as you can see here in the race for Congress, look, they're still getting 74% support in the pre-election polling right now. But compare that to the final polling for 2020 president and 2018 Congress. Back in 2020, it was 84%, 85% in 2018. So you're clearly seeing right here that there is less support for Democratic candidates for Congress among African-Americans. And you can look at the Republican column as well, and you can see that 12%. Not exactly high, but that's actually the high watermark. It was 9% in 2020, 9% in 2018. So basically what was about a 75, 76-point margin is now down in the low 60s. Yeah, and this is uh, uh, 60 years of broken promises adding up. That's what I think. I've got some more audio on it. Uh, here's a number if you want to chime in, 800-922-6680. I think that it, this isn't necessarily about color. This is about men. This is about men who are just kind of done with the nonsense and the reassertion of uh, masculinity in a very positive fashion and the recognition that uh, under the best circumstances, uh, kids are best off with a, with a mom and a dad in the home. I'm not saying that we can't have different families. I'm just saying that the, the best option is dad and mom. All right? Listen, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an advocate for adoption. I don't care if gay people want to adopt. I'm just saying. But anyway, 800-922-6680. A little bit more on this and then a, uh, a fascinating piece about uh, high school senior boys are becoming more conservative. Kind of uh, feeds into this narrative that I'm, uh, I'm coming up with here. Uh, this, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. But, so, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. When you got the first sort of mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and Biden recalling his early Senate career, bringing up two segregationist senators, Herman Talmadge and James Eastland. I think that when uh, Joe Biden said, if you ain't black, uh, if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. I think that uh, that had... Uh, the seeds of uh, of the end of uh, 1,000% support of the Democrat Party by black Americans because the hubris that it took to do that, to say that on the most popular podcast, I think a lot of people went, really, 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 you're that confident? And then you combine it with three years of just destructive policies and 50 years of destructive policies of Democrats, uh, the absolute desecration of the, the black family. I've been talking about it for 30 years on the air. I've been a champion for kids in inner cities. I've been talking about fostering and adopting kids forever. And, and literally, when I started in broadcasting, it was one of my the platforms. I was like, God, we gotta, I want to I bring us together. I'd like to save these kids and, and not have another generation of poverty and drug addiction and gang membership and whatever. And it's only gotten worse. And I just think we're at a breaking point because really, honestly, Donald Trump asked the question, how, how, how could you do worse? 
And then Joe Biden has shown the way. Barbara in Baltimore is on the vote. Hello, Barbara. How are you? Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. I'd love to hear your take on this. Hey, Rob, and thanks for taking my call. I'm so glad that you're discussing this because uh, it's very close to heart for me, uh, being having been a, a Democrat and now a Republican and taking the abuse that I used to receive from so many people because I'm a Republican, and that's changing. I was very surprised when I went to the South, so many of my relatives and friends there are now voting Republican. Yes, it is happening. I'm so glad that it's happening. Well, Barbara, think, uh, but look at look at the state of, of the black family in inner cities. I'm talking about inner cities. You know, I have black neighbors, families. We live together in cul-de-sac America. We don't think twice about it, but there are the forgotten children in places like Chicago who are graduating not able to read and 80% fatherless families and what used to be 70% abortion rate. And, and I just think maybe, hey, do you think we finally crossed the line and said we've got the we've got to save our families and the Democrat Party has sold black families down the river. I think you're right. I think you're right. I recently saw something from, uh, I think it was, what is it, Solomon, the God, was whatever, the same guy that he, that Joe Biden said, if you're yeah. on the He's waking yeah. up, too. He's waking up. Charlemagne the God is what it was, yeah. 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 What, what is it? What's his name? Ice Cube. Ice Cube. He said it the other day. Ice yes. Cube said a terrific interview with Tucker Carlson. He drove around South Central with Tucker Carlson. Okay? Uh, I mean, it doesn't get any, like, uh, you know, move away from the Democrat Party. <laughs> You're driving around with Tucker Carlson in South Central. You know that the Democrat Party isn't doing something right, Barbara. That's right. And they haven't for a long time, and they've gotten away with it. But, yeah. you know... We've been 13%. Black people have been 13% of the population for decades. Yeah. Decades. Dying out to abortion, gang violence. Yes. Just being, and, and the Democrats' solution is to replace black people with dependent illegal aliens mm-hmm. who can't read and write in a dependent of them. So I think uh, it, we're going to see a change of what's happening, and I'm glad that you're dealing with it. And, yeah. Um, People are talking about this. It's real. And it gives me confidence and hopefully confidence to other people to voice your opinion, say what needs to be said. The crime is in the black community. And quite frankly, I'm beginning to think that they really don't care if black kids kill other black kids. No. I mean, we have nothing going on here. No reform schools, no training program, just a bunch of bull crap money getting shifted around and thrown from one agency to another. I think these people in a lot of these cities are using all of this money to enrich themselves and their family and friends. And and, and Black Lives Matter is a prime example, Barbara. And you you heard Ice Cube say that with Tucker Carlson. He said they always promised up, they always raise a lot of money, and nothing gets done. Barbara, Barbara, i got to run. So good to hear from you. You have a great day, okay? And thanks for fighting the fight. And I'm so glad to have you as a warrior in this uh, this fight, because you are amazing. All right. Let's take a break. I've got a little bit more on this, the war on masculinity. And then high school senior boys are now more than twice as likely to be conservatives, maybe because how the adults behave the last three years. That's coming up. This is The Rob Carson Show. Paul, you hold on. You'll be next. I switched. I switched. I switched. I switched to Newsmax. Newsmax. 
Newsmax. Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should too. I've been talking about the uh, emasculization of men, the uh, the takedown of uh, the the father figure. The father figure used to be, you know, maybe we need a little course correction. We're not exactly we leave it to Beaver, where mom has a you know cocktail waiting for dad when he gets home from a hard day's work, and the uh, the obedient children arrive and all that. I realize that, and all, maybe some of it was a, a, a rejection of that with regard to uh, feminine equality, et cetera, et cetera. But it, but it really it really began a long time ago. This uh, this uh, demasculinization of men <clears throat> that has ultimately ended up in uh, saying that masculinity is toxic, which is absurd. Masculinity builds buildings. Masculinity got us to the moon. Not saying that women weren't uh, along for the ride, but uh, honestly, uh, men do a lot of the heavy lifting in society. We do the dirty work. We do the dying. We do the injury and all of that stuff. And, and then we're expected essentially to suffer in silence, you know, to some degree. We kind of crawl up in a ball and, and, uh, and ball it up inside of us. Because, you know, we have the weight of the world on us many times. I'm not asking for a pity party here. It's just being a man is, is not a, an easy, uh, it's, it's a tough road to hoe. It is. It's a tough road to hoe. No, I'm not talking about the same stuff that Hunter Biden does. I'm just saying it is, a, it is, it is not an easy thing. Uh, I remember back in the 90s, there was a group of men, black and white and every color men. It was called the Promise Keepers. They would get together and they'd have these massive prayer rallies where they celebrated uh, masculinity, relationship with God, the importance of being a good husband and father. And they were shredded by the left. Every attempt to support and, and celebrate masculinity has been met with opposition from the left. And what do we end up with? What do we end up with? Well, men maybe are fighting back. And black men are fighting back. Tired of being marginalized. Tired of being perceived as, you know, whatever by society. This is CNN talking about uh, the black vote slipping away from Democrats. Take a look at Joe Biden's approval rating among black adults. If you go back to January to June of 2021, look how high it was. It's 87%. 87% basically matching what he got in the 2020 election. But look at that approval rating now in August and September of 2022. It's all the way down to 64 percent. Now, obviously, Joe Biden's approval rating with all Americans is down, but it's not down by anywhere near this amount. This 23 point drop among all Americans, it's only down about 10 to 15 points. So there is a disproportionate drop in Joe Biden's approval rating among African-Americans. Because it's become painfully obvious that the Democrat Party has offered nothing but misery to the black community for decades. Don't believe me? Listen to this. This is a uh, this preacher spoke at TPUSA. Uh, his name is John Amanchukwu, talking about the Democrat Party. Now, this surrounds Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade killed about 20% of the black population starting in 1973. Listen to what this man has to say. The NAACP celebrated Juneteenth, but a few days later, when the fetal emancipation proclamation took place, they frowned upon the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And they pandered to the left and told blacks that they would die even the more and black women would be in trouble as a result of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I've come to... T uh, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, was a racist, supporter of the KKK, and eugenist. This is why the most endangered uh, people on the earth are black babies 
and kids with Down syndrome. I tell you today that there is an intentional attack upon the black community. Yeah. And black America needs to wise up and open our eyes and see that we are being used as expendable to those on the left. And you're being replaced by illegals coming across the border. Uh, Barbara just said that. Who want to use us and abuse us. Uh-huh. They screw uh-huh. us and barely pay us, and we keep coming back for more. I'm asking for people who look like me to open up your eyes and see what's going on and recognize that we are being killed, we are being lied to, and they are pushing lies to blacks. There you go. And every year, the Democrat Party promises they'll fix things. And every year, the day after the election, they'll get up and leave some money on the dresser. And kids uh, graduate. Like at LeBron James School. Did you know about this? LeBron James School. He decided he was going to do the I Promise School. And, and he invested a whole bunch of money. And not a single eighth grader could pass an Ohio math test. And 8% of the entire student body can read at an appropriate level. And Jason Whitlock said, uh, you know what? Uh, promise school can't match the benefits of a father. And I said yesterday, the problem with a lot of the schools in our country is not uh, that the teachers are failing. It's just broken kids are coming to school. And they're so wrecked by what's going on at home, they can't focus on learning. And I know what it's like to have a father leave me. My father left me at seven years old. Never saw him again. I remember the night he left, he slammed the door. The glass came back. We stood there and cried. It killed my brother. <clears throat> he never recovered. He died at 38 in his sleep. I never understood. And we blamed ourselves. But can you imagine how much that is to a kid who goes to school? Dad's not home. You know, whatever is going on in their lives. Drug use. You know, violence. You expect that kid to listen in school? Listen to this. Principals more likely to leave schools with larger minority student body. That, e- that makes kids even, uh, even more hopeless. New study by the National Center of Education Statistics found that schools comprised of at least 75% students of color from 2021 to 23 had the highest percentage of principals trans- transferring to new schools. They're throwing up their hands. The findings revealed significantly high turnover rates in public schools. Uh, Principals across the country, one in ten principals quitting the profession between 2020 and 2021, and 2021 and 2022. You know, and it's 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 a tragedy. We've got to turn it around. I've I've been here. I've been a warrior for this for a long time. This is the first time I've had a national platform. So maybe we can come together to save kids, because the Democrat Party has wrecked it. Absolutely wrecked it. All right, let's go to uh, Greg in Eldersburg, and then we'll get to Paul. Greg, you're first. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Hey, Rob, how are you? Thanks for good, taking good, my good. call. Yeah, man, what's up? Hey, I don't know. I'm sitting here thinking, uh, listening to what you're talking about, kind of changed my reason for calling. I agree with you totally that uh, you know, the father is the backbone, and, and uh, this uh, liberal, woke Democratic Party has uh, taken that out of our, our ethics in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really ridiculous. I'm sitting here. I'm just so freaking frustrated at this yeah. this country that there's even a slight chance that Biden could get elected. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get into the whole politics, but but Trump uh, is the only guy that has the the gumption to stand up to these people. He's been through this. You, you know, all these other ones: DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Christie, Scott. All of them say what they're going to do, but that's BS. 
Trump yeah. has said it and, and done it. And and again, we're we're in dire straits in this country, Ron. I know. And we got to do something. I don't know. We, there's a there's a minority out here I see that is just on the razor's edge of letting it go. And yeah. We've all got to stand together and 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 go towards that common goal. Yeah, Greg, and I, and I think also um, if 74% of the country say the country's going in the wrong direction, that we can come together to save it. And I believe that fathers and husbands, uh, regardless of color, will come together because, you know, we've, we, you know we, we value um, uh, the, the, you know, being a father, being a husband. They are incredibly important, the most rewarding thing you could ever imagine. And I think beginning, people are beginning to recognize this as America's inner cities descend into absolute hell. Well, here, even here in Baltimore, I mean, I really I know, was depressed I over this this guy that this young kid that shot this guy in the back and got two years. I mean, the squeeger, the squeeger who uh, got off. He, he, this man got out of his car with a baseball bat to threaten these squeegers. We live in uh, like a barrio in uh, in uh, you know the, the Columbia, Cartagena, where uh, instead of selling chiclets, the kids come out and they try to squeegee your car window. And the guy got tired of the harassment, got out with a baseball bat as he turned around. This kid shot him five times in the back. Now, yeah, why would a squeezer kid have a gun in his backpack and get right. away with murdering somebody walking away? Right, right. He had to go get it. The threat from him being hurt was gone. He just had an attitude problem and just innocently shot this man to death. And what did the people in Baltimore do? They gave him you know, two years as one of the jury members who whispered, I'm sorry, on the way out. Yeah, Come on. Unbelievable. I know, Greg. Thanks, thanks for the phone call, but I do appreciate it. I remember when I was in Cincinnati, I, I led this. Uh, we tried something uh, with the radio station I worked at, which was uh, teaching kids about safety and self-defense. And we put together these um, workshops all over the city. Uh, and uh, they were in, you know, different towns, uh, maybe over in Fort Thomas, across the river, maybe in, you know, wherever in, in uh, Cincinnati. And then one in the heart of Cincinnati in the over the Rhine area, which at the time was, you know, 95% black population. So we went to the YMCA there to talk about kid safety, bring all the kids there to teach them how to defend themselves and all this. In the suburbs, I had black, white, every color you could imagine, 300 people there, kids and parents. Then I went down to the Y inner city, Cincinnati, and I had 150 kids and not one parent showed up. So I, I, I don't know if that's a metaphor all I know is that it appears to be happening in cities around the country and has been for 60 years. And I just think we, you know, we've gotten to a point where the Democrat Party has had their shot. They had their shot with uh, the black community. They've had their shot and they've failed. It's very clear. There's 60 years of evidence. Let's go to Paul in Georgia. Paul in Georgia wants to talk. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show and thanks for holding, brother. Hey, Rob. Hey Rob, I want to bring something up with the uh, the whole Biden scam. Yes, I'm convinced that the money that has already been dished out to the family, the five million here, the five million, the grandkids, uh, all the the, the wives, the the children, the sister, yeah. etc., is the spending money. When we see what's in the the Swiss account, we're going to find out the real money is. Yeah, I think yeah. this is so big. And so, and and you know it's big because everybody's keeping quiet. Everybody's yeah. getting a piece of this money.
Yes. Well, Paul, you know, and uh, James Colbert has alluded to they are finding foreign bank accounts. And I guess that would be the next uh, logical step. Also, I don't know if you heard this. Um, he also said they found dozen more of these uh, these bank uh, transaction warnings. Um, the uh, SARS is what they call them. Uh, James Comer says they found even more. So uh, the FBI, the DOJ have done their level best to cover all this up. And it's taken a good amount of digging, Paul, but it appears that we have found the vein of of corruption and it's going to deliver the mother load how about that analogy huh how about that <laughs> yeah well how, 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 how do we get the entire democratic party though to be you know accomplices for this because they really are because the democrat party and i've said this for at least 20 years they're morally and intellectually bankrupt they are morally and intellectually bankrupt. And I would implore those Democrats who still believe in the country and still like stand during the national anthem, you really got to leave the Democrat Party because honestly, look at what you're supporting now. It's embarrassing, to be quite honest. Thanks for the call, dude. I appreciate it. Let's go to Carol in Columbia, Maryland. Hello. Carol, what's going Hi. on? Hi. What's Hi. Up? In addition to abortion and the demise of the schools and the you know, demise of the family. Another issue that nobody talks about, but I think is destroying families in this country, is the demise of the Sunday blue laws. When I was yeah. a little girl, everything was closed on Sunday. People yeah. went to Sunday school in the morning or church because there was nothing open. And in the afternoon, they sat around and had big family dinners because the restaurants were all closed. Yeah. You know, uh, Carol, we forgot about the Sabbath, didn't we? And and listen, I know Jewish uh, people of the Jewish persuasion they they celebrate their uh, their day on Saturday, but yeah, you know, sure, it all it all uh, same thing. Yeah, the family, la familia, baby. You know, you're 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 dissing the family by doing stuff like that. I appreciate the phone call. Um, that's the thing, and the thing that I've discovered. And I was a playboy as a twenty something. You know, I I dated around, and I didn't know because I, I was kind of running away from my family. I had a very troubled childhood. Uh, you know, I told you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor that. But, but now, you know, after you uh, you grow, you realize that honestly, we all have an expiration date, uh, and uh, and the the family and someone who will love you for the rest of your life is the most important thing in your entire life. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, doesn't matter how many women you slept with. All that really matters is the people who are around you who love you. And I'm going to tell you, the only way to get to the end of your life with someone who you love is to commit your life to them. And I say that with marriage. And it doesn't have to be male, female. I think, you know, if you found your soulmate, somebody who happens to be the same sex, uh, you know, I don't think the government should be involved. That's, that's your deal. If you want to commit yourself to somebody for the rest of your life, then, then I'm fine with it. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of this life, if you don't have that person, if you don't, didn't have that, you're really missing out. You're really, really missing out. All right, so uh, I know we've spent a lot of time on it. I just think it's important, and I do believe culturally there's a shift happening, and it's going to save us. And it's going to come from people of all colors and all political persuasions, and it's going to reject the nonsense and return to common sense. So let's take a break and come back, guys. Good discussion. Good talk, wouldn't you say, kids? This is The Rob Carson Show. It is The Rob Carson Show. Live from New Hampshire on Thursday, Friday, tomorrow, the, uh, the awesome and amazing Mary Walter will fill in. Which is always good. So Mary will be uh, will be handling it tomorrow as we travel. 
to New Hampshire and broadcast with uh, the uh, just a, a, an incredible group of people at Benny Media and uh, the Pulse of New Hampshire, Jack Heath, and we're going to meet candidates and we're going to hang out and uh, and uh, and listen to the good people of New Hampshire. I got to tell, I'm so impressed since I've gotten to know um, New Hampshire a little better. Uh, and, and pardon me, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a student of every state like uh, Rhode Island. I mean, I don't know anything about Rhode Island. And I, Rhode Island, nothing against Rhode Island. You know, it's like you, people at Rhode Island don't know much about Iowa or, or Missouri or Kansas. I, then that's fine. But I just, uh, the, the, the level of education with regard to politics in the state of New Hampshire by the average person and the connection that people have with their leaders in New Hampshire, I believe, is about the strongest I've ever seen. Uh, the most connected, plugged in uh, uh, voters, I think, in the country in New Hampshire. Nothing against anybody else. I'm just saying what I've heard, what I've seen, pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to this uh, story maybe for next hour. High school senior boys nearly twice as likely to be conservative. Girls the opposite. I want to get into that because I think it's pretty interesting. Also, uh, Ford Motor Company and the amount of money they're losing on EVs and, and some truth about EVs that people aren't telling you. Uh, and then also, oh, John Fetterman admitted that not only was he, uh, was he uh, infirmed, but he also was suicidal <clears throat> as a senator. So that's who you want leading the country, I guess, right? I mean, a suicidal person who's, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, that's your Democrat Party. And Dianne Feinstein and uh, Mitch McConnell, Republican, and, uh, you know, whatever. And Joe Biden. Uh, the brain damage. They, uh, maybe that is the, uh, the new coalition. You know, we've got these coalitions. Maybe we need the BD coalition. <laughs> coalition. Could be confused with a squad. I mean, they're both of them are pretty much. Barack Obama was uh, was spotted with a black eye and bandaged bandaged fingers. Barack Obama was spotted in public for the first time since the tragic death of his uh, personal chef, Tafari Campbell. Photographs show the former president's eye looking bruised, his left fingers bandaged as he played golf. Uh, Pat Gray of the Blaze said that's pretty weird. He also said, uh, you know, that. Uh, uh, there is no legitimate evidence that Barack's minor energy injuries, I should say, would have anything to do with his former chef. But because we're lied to every single day, people are going to speculate. That's why the uh, conspiracy theory about whatever. I don't even know where to start with a conspiracy theory. Here's a guy, Tafari Campbell, personal chef, goes out on a uh, paddleboard, drowns. Now we're finding out today that I guess there was a female companion who went over, tried to find him, and, uh, and there was nothing there. Well, why didn't you say that from the get-go? And why didn't you say where the gall, where the phone came from, the phone call came from, in the first place? And why on the transcription of the nine one one call did they not mention why the nine one one call was made? You know, these are just little things. If you were just upfront about things, you know, you then we would say, okay, no big deal. But here's uh, you know Barack Obama out golfing with a finger around his a bandage around his finger, and like I said, uh, if this golf club don't fit, it, you must have quit. That was kind of came to my mind. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to the Rob Carson Show. is the Rob Carson Show. This, my friends, would be the last hour of the Rob Carson Show. I mean, this show, not, not the end of the show. Yeah, just this show. <laughs> Today, all right? <laughs> and we've got an action-packed one for you. 
Uh, Dick Morris is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll see if he's changed his uh, tune on Donald Trump being the next president. I doubt it. Uh, also, President Trump is fighting back, and he's urging you to get a copy of David Horowitz's new book. I've got it, actually. It's uh, it's uh, basically tells you that uh, this is the final battle for America, the, uh, the election of 2024. We know what the sides are. Uh, we know it's good versus evil, uh, and it is. I mean, if you look what's happening in the country and, uh, you know, the direction of the country uh, culturally and whatnot, <clears throat> uh, then, then you'd have to say, yeah, good versus evil. Mike Huckabee says every Christian in America needs to prepare for it by getting David Horowitz's book, The Final Battle, and you can get it for free. All you got to do is go to finalbattle611.com. You got a free offer from Newsmax. You save $30. Finalbattle611.com to get the book. Get signed up for uh, Newsmax. Uh, the magazine is wonderful. And they've got a, a wonderful new article about, uh, it's under my pile of stuff over here, about Joe Biden uh, not being the nominee, not being the guy who uh, officially runs for president. And I've said for a long time, I didn't think he was going to be able to just you know pay attention that's all you need to do just look at him listen to him talk look at you know uh, uh video footage from just two years ago and then see where he is now and then think of this okay think of this dementia doesn't get better but that's all you need to know okay so there um high school senior boys nearly twice as likely to be conservative as liberal really now I can only really share direct knowledge of this from my proximity to two people who are members of Gen Z, my daughter and my son. My daughter is 18 years old. My son is 23 years old. Both of them had a substantial amount of their college and high school careers destroyed by idiots in government who decided that they couldn't go to school. And when they did, they had to wear masks. And when they did... Uh, they had to stay six feet apart, and they couldn't do any social gatherings. Imagine as a uh, a college a sophomore or junior, all of the bars being closed, all of the fraternity and sorority functions canceled, everything, and uh, fear porn everywhere you went. You know, so Gen Z has been kind of scrawled by the adults who should have known better, but they didn't. They did, and they and they and they did it anyway. But now, uh, high school senior boys nearly twice as likely to be conservative as liberal. Maybe it's because of the assault on uh, masculinity. We've heard so much about that boys uh, are told that masculinity is toxic. They should be more feminine or they should become girls. So anyway, University of Michigan found that boys in their senior year are almost two times as likely to identify as conservative than liberal. However, for 12th grade girls, they're more likely to consider themselves liberal. I would venture to say that girls... Now you know I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype and get everybody jumping on my back about this, but but I know several high school girls who are completely down with the trans nonsense that's being preached, but I know no high school boys who are like oh yeah oh yeah, you know. Uh, for senior high school boys, the shares of conservative versus liberal are nearly identical between 2014 and 2016, around 19%. By 2022, that had shifted to 23%, actually down three points from 2020. That was the height of COVID. You've got to wonder, right? Liberal identifying boys have been ever falling. However, since the uh, studies first uh, were presented in 1975, 25% of high school boys in 1975 were liberal. That number has dropped uh, precipitously. 
Young girls, a different story. Liberalism in senior girls has skyrocketed to over 30% in recent years, whereas conservative identifying girls have dropped a third. Uh, similar trends appeared in the work of Jean Twang, an author and a professor of psychology in San Diego. In her book, Generation, she presented a much more defined contrast between the, section, uh, the sexes. According to her chart, which was posted to Reddit, the figure are around 65% boys identifying as conservative, 31% for girls. Young man named Tyler, a student at American University, told the outlet who did the uh, survey, the uh, Michigan survey, that uh, going to college caused him to be more liberal despite being conservative. And that's what, that's what colleges have become. They are, uh, they are uh, brainwashing factories, essentially. I know this. I, uh, I've witnessed it. It's all you need to know. I do think it's kind of funny because some kids have been uh, fighting against the woke nonsense, like students uh, mocked a, 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 a team of researchers at Oregon State and uh, uh, blamed the uh, rise of online fascism for students' sarcastic and mocking responses to their woke identity survey. There was this uh, paper, it's called Attack Helicopters and White Supremacy, interpreting malicious responses to an online questionnaire about transgender undergraduate engineering and computer science student experiences. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the, the uh, researchers who did the paper accused the students of tampering with the study and harassing the researchers by submitting responses that allegedly included slurs, hate speech, or direct targeting of the research team. They made fun of it because it was stupid, that's why. According to the research team, 50 of the 349 uh, surveyed students provided malicious responses. Uh, the, the, uh, the responses contain homophobic, transphobic, ableist, anti-black, anti-Semitic, and anti-indigenous content. Which means they disagreed with it. <laughs> when asked about their gender, 24% of respondents claimed to identify as a helicopter or aircraft. <laughs> And including one who said, I identify as an Apache attack helicopter. This is fantastic. Oh, my God. Pansexual attack helicopter <laughs> and an F-16 jet. Other students replied. And then somebody said, there are only two genders, a human being and I'm just here for the gift card. <laughs> Those were the responses. This is so good. Maybe they're just tired of this crap. Uh, students were also instructed to do any uh, to list any disabilities. Um, uh, like all transgenders, my disability is a, a, the inability to come to terms with biological reality. Madness, essentially. One student replied. <laughs> the te team of researchers claimed that the students' answers negatively impacted their mental health. <laughs> <laughs> the malicious words and slurs directed toward our research team had a profound impact on the morale and mental health. I'm thinking they had mental issues before they started this stupid survey. I just love that uh, kids are fighting back and saying, you know, this is just so stupid, I can't take it anymore. I just, I can't take it anymore. Then this, COVID lockdowns uh, locked had a catastrophic impact on children's social and emotional skills. That's what half of parents are saying right now. 52% say that uh, the idiocy of adults during COVID caused a uh, mental health uh, crisis in their children's lives. It's just funny. It's just kind of, uh, kind of goofy. Let's go to uh, John in Sykesville. Been holding for a while. John, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Uh, Rob, 
Bob, I had a joke for you, but uh, what? it seemed inappropriate. But, uh, well, we're going to move on. We're going to get to okay. what, what, the, what the original call was about. Was um, With Biden, you remember when he, you know, we played it over and over again, where he's, he's saying, hey, you're not getting the money until, uh, you know, they, they fired the prosecutor to investigate my son. And they said, hey, you're not the president. You can't do that. And he said, well, call him. Find out. So I got six hours. Yeah. Either Biden is the biggest bluffer poker player. I mean, I don't think he's got the clips to do it. I think no. Obama had to be in on it because would you would you do that bluff? <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, if it was me, if I was the Ukrainian government, I'd say I'd call the, I'd call Obama. So, well, John, what that what that says when he says when he says call Obama, that says to me that. Uh, Either that guy's going to call his bluff and call Obama, and Obama's going to say, I don't know anything about this, or Joe Biden knows that Obama knows everything. And I would venture to say there was a wink, a nod, and a handshake between uh, Joe Biden and Obama. And the reason I say that is because it's very clear that Obama has a profound impact and is pulling the strings on this presidency. If you don't believe me, see Susan Rice uh, jumping ship two months ago. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you know, I had a uh, also had a theory on how Obama got the black eye. What? What? How? Well, is it know, is it related uh, to Michelle? <laughs> well, hold on. You know what? Uh, you know the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So I don't think he got a scratch on him when he hit the cook over the head with an oar. I think when Michael found out, that's when it all went down. All right. All right. Thanks for the call, John. Jeez. <laughs> This is what happens when you don't answer the questions. People start to say, "Eh, you know, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. This is kind of interesting. One more thing on uh, on uh, the Gen Z and, uh, you know, my like, for instance, and, 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 I, and when I say that, you know, my understanding of Generation Z uh, surrounds my children and their friends and what I've seen. And I'm very blessed because I have a daughter who has a uh, committed relationship with a young man. She, they just celebrated their second anniversary. We, uh, we had her, uh, his parents over to the house last uh, uh, Sunday when we had the power outage and the tree fell and we were all stuck in the basement. <laughs> it was so funny. First time they're over, we'll make them dinner. Everybody in the basement. Everybody in the tree just fell down. <laughs> but they, they realize that um, the most important thing is their relationship, is the relationship they have with their, uh, with themselves, with their families. Uh, they go to church. They went to a church jewelry-making function on uh, Monday night. You know, my daughter doesn't drink. She doesn't curse. Uh, she doesn't. She goes to church functions with her boyfriend. And I'm just enormously blessed because she realizes, and I think a lot of Gen Z people who, who were forced to go home and work in their rooms, and like my daughter missed the entire second half of her uh, freshman year in high school, and then hybrid learning and then wearing stupid masks I, I if anything i think it brought the kids closer together to one another as the uh, adults acted like morons that's what i think i do then you see this a, a strong percentage of millennial americans 25 to 34 39 ish are in favor of uh, catering to the whims of sex confused individuals by making adherence to biological reality in language of criminal offense meaning that you you if you refer to somebody by the wrong pronoun that should be a criminal offense with millennials, not so much with Gen, Gen Z. Gen Z's not down at. Generation Z, Americans 18 to 24, are notably less keen on making misgendering a crime than older millennials. There you go. 
So I think among Gen Z, 33% think misgendering should be a criminal offense. 48% disagree. And uh, the remainder say neither or don't know. It's interesting. And I don't like the stereotype millennials. Guys, I, I, you know, I know many of my listeners are millennials. Many of you are Generation Z. Many of you are Xers. Many of you are boomers. Um, so, you know, when I was uh, in my 20s, we were called slackers. Gen Z was called slackers. Or, or Gen X was called slackers. I was never a slacker. I've never had more than a one-week vacation in my life, and, and I've gone years without them, and I have been uh, completely immersed in my career my whole life. So I, I, I took that uh, personally when they said we were slackers, and I don't, I don't say the same thing about all generations. But when it comes to polling, I, we do see a shift, and I do believe that Generation Z is very different because of how adults acted the last four or five years, and really hurt them in a myriad of ways. All right, let's take a break and come back. This is The Rob Carson Show. Always up for a little audio slave. That's uh, who this is, by the way. Chris Cornell. Still bubbed out that he's no longer with us. Uh, one of the greater rock vocalists in history. Gen Xer, by the way. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has invited uh, VP Harris to discuss Florida's new black history standards. I think that's great. I think that's a great little line in the sand to uh, the mouthy Kamala Harris who said that, you know, the uh, new history standards were uh, talking about how beneficial slavery was when, of course, it was nonsense. But apparently uh, ABC News has gotten the letter uh, that uh, DeSantis invited Harris to discuss the new standards with him and Dr. William Allen, who I featured on this show last week. Uh, And uh, no response yet. I don't think she will because um, she's only given talking points. And she only sounds off on them. And whenever she answers questions, she ends up uh, revealing her incredible stupidity. So I'm doubting, <laughs> I'm doubting anytime soon that uh, she's going to show up and discuss curricula because she might ask you, actually be asked some tough questions. Hey, is it time for a gender confusion update? I think it is. Yeah. Gender confusion. What is my gender today? I teach my elementary school students about gender identity. All right, so a transgender man, 22, gives birth to twins after going through six rounds of artificial insemination with a sperm donor to fill his dream of having a biological baby. That's the headline. UK Daily Mail. 22-year-old transgender man has given birth to twins after going through six rounds of artificial insemination in a bid to get pregnant. Well, that's the deal. That's why it took six rounds, because you're impregnating a dude. No, actually, you're just impregnating a, a woman who, uh, who had mutilated surgery on, uh, on her breasts and uh, grew facial hair uh, taking testosterone. That's what happened. Uh, Aiden Dar, a Starbucks barista from Charleston, who obviously makes a bleep ton of money as a barista if that person is able to pay for six artificial insemination procedures. I guess the tips are working pretty well. Maybe they have that new credit card feature. You could tip 15%. But anyway, uh, born biologically female (laughs) is still biologically female. Uh, Came out transgender at 16 uh, after identifying as a lesbian for several years and started to take a course in testosterone. 
Started a course in testosterone is what I mean. <laughs> However, he soon became, uh, came to realize that it was his dream to have a biological child, so he put a stop to his hormonal treatment and visited the local family planning clinic, I guess to just become a she long enough to get pregnant. That's, that's where we are. Wow, this is so just so stupid. After five grueling months and six rounds of interuterine insemination, otherwise known as IUI. IUI? IUI? Oh, I don't know. Let's try it. IUI? <clears throat> Using donor sperm, Aiden finally fell pregnant with twins. Fell pregnant with twins. Fell pregnant with twins? You fall pregnant? Is that, is that the way? What? Oh, honey, what's wrong? I just fell, fell down with pregnancy. April of 2021, Aiden safely delivered twin girls, Quinn and Carter, who he is now racing with his girlfriend, Claire Behrens, a barista whom he met in 2022, begging the question, is Claire still a lesbian? Because she's now with a dude. So technically, if she's still a lesbian, if, and if I were a lesbian and my partner became a dude... I'd be a little mad. I would be a little mad. We got a little double bump here. We're moving from uh, gender confusion to what I call the strong woman update. Strong Lemon update. I think we made it clear. Non-binary rugby player. That means a dude playing for the women's team. I thought you should know that. I just want to speak English. Uh, Non-binary rugby player accused of injuring women in a match was previously named the hardest hitter when serving on the men's team. Uh, that's who you want on the women's rugby team. Last June, the non-binary player was removed from the women's rugby match after he... What? That's misgendering. Uh, injured three competitors. After the identity of the player remained unknown, it has now been revealed. Uh, the identity of the man involved in the incident, who used to be a woman, confirmed as Ash Davis, who previously played on the men's division of the club and has been awarded the hardest hitter designation during the senior awards banquet last year. There has been much uh, opposition to Davis's participation in the women's category because he ended up beating the snot out of them and injuring them, and that's generally considered abuse. Remember when it used to be called abuse? Yeah, you know. Marcy Smith is the co-founder of the Independent Council on Women's Sports. Young women are being forced to jeopardize their physical safety to satisfy the desires of a man, Ash Davis, in Canadian rugby, priority, prioritizing men's preferences over ethical concerns and the potential for life-threatening injuries or death. This policy is sacrificing girls and women's well-being for men's eligibility. Preferences is unethical and perilous. It's also stupid. I might throw that out there as well. It's really, really stupid and dangerous, and I think we've had enough of it, wouldn't you? Coming up, Dick Morris on uh, what's going on with Donald Trump, another indictment in the wings and uh, presidential primary. That's on the other side of this, and this would be The Rob Carson Show. 
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. Dick Morris wrote a book last year called The Return. And he says, will Trump win in 2024? You bet he will. Will he be the GOP nominee? Absolutely. Will he win the election? He says, yes. He is on the Newsmax hotline, and he, uh, I want to ask him, Dick, are you still sticking by your predictions in your book, The Return? Yeah, it's a race to uh, see it, to see if my predictions can come true fast enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But everything I predicted is happening. Like Trump is running the is, I think, certain to win the Republican nomination, and yeah. he is on the path to defeat Biden. The last poll I did showed, uh, showed Trump four points ahead of Biden. Yeah. Virtually yeah. every poll John McLaughlin, Trump's polling firm, has conducted uh, once a month since the Afghan embassy crisis in 91 has uh, shown Trump with a three or four or five point lead. Wow. Now, uh, some things have happened. Obviously, we saw the uh, rejection of the plea deal in the Hunter Biden uh, uh, case. Uh, that was gigantic. I think that was uh, uh, maybe the beginning of a turn, at least at least by one judge, uh, uh, toward toward uh, uh, you know a punch in the face of the corrupt DOJ. Um, and then today, we're hearing that Donald Trump. There's a grand jury meeting about a third indictment. Blah blah blah. So they're they're still going after Trump. Um, what's going to happen to Joe Biden? And Hunter Biden, are they going to? Is Joe Biden going to make it into uh, the twenty twenty four race? Uh, is he going to make well, it? Be able to make it through the race? Well, who knows? But let me talk about what I think is going on on the judicial front. You have uh, Biden's uh, hearings, the hearings on Biden, and the indictments on Trump. But my polling is showing that the indictments on Trump are having almost no effect in the general election. And in the primary, they're having the effect of eliminating all of his opponents because they can't get word in edgewise. And uh, they're dying for lack of exposure. Uh, their fundraising is all down, and Trump is functionally the only real Republican candidate. In terms of the Democrats and Biden, uh, Trump has antibodies against the charges against him. They've been filed against him for so long and been gotten so much publicity and so much outrage over the publicity, that he really has antibodies in the system to oppose the infection of these indictments. Biden, the, the, the criticism about his, uh, his income, his bribe, briberies, the allegations of bribes from Romania, uh, Moscow, uh, Ukraine, and, of course, China, are basically new. Uh, they, they've been out there, but the mainstream media has not covered them. And uh, the and these indictments, these negatives are basically news to the American people. And that means that he's suffering very badly as a result of them, because he has no resistance built up to them. So what I'm finding is that the, indict, the indictments hearing, if you kind of see that as the proxy race, are hurting Biden a great deal. He used to be seen as a very good man, but not a particularly good president. Now he's seen potentially as a, as a dishonest man and a bad president. Yeah. So in all the polling until now, Trump has had a better job approval but a worse personal favorability than Biden. 
people saying basically I uh, I like Trump. I, I agree with Trump, but I don't like him. And I like Biden, but I don't agree with him. But now that has flipped. Trump still has a 10-point lead in who's the better president. But he's now ahead of Biden on who's the more honest man and who's the guy who I like the best. And it's only a slight lead over Biden, but it used to be a heavy lead in Biden's favor. And now that's gone away completely. Yeah, and the, you know, forces in my mind that Trump is going to beat him. Exactly. Now you've got three indictments, well, potentially three indictments. Jack Smith coming up with another one using Civil War era uh, laws to go after Donald Trump on January the sixth for something he'd already been. Four, it looks like Fulton County. Oh, the four, four is coming. Yeah, p- possibility. Yeah. Uh, and I saw this morning on Newsmax they were ruminating that possibly Jack Smith could have uh, uh, Joe or, or Donald Trump held without bail. And and if something like that happened, I mean, I who the hell knows what would happen to the country? Do you think like something like that could happen? No. Okay, that's what so, I thought. With this government, anything could happen. Well, but I do think that basically the polling I've done indicates that people react to the indictment right along the lines of their previous vote. If they say they're going to vote for Trump, they either say he didn't do anything or he did, but it doesn't matter. None of it was significant. If they vote for Biden, they say Trump committed crimes and no one is above the law. And it really doesn't sway a single vote. What is swaying people is that as these revelations come out about Biden, they raise questions about his integrity and as well as his competence, of course, and that is really fueling his drop in the polls. Let me ask you this, though, with regard to uh, uh, to uh, uh, Donald Trump and, the, and this race. Uh, the possibility of a third party has come up. Uh, do you see possibly Robert Kennedy Jr. pursuing that? We've heard uh, we've heard Joe Manchin considering that. I just saw that the national polls show him as uh, polling just ahead of Mitch McConnell as the least popular senator. So I'm doubting that's going to be happening. But what do you think happens with jo- with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. now that I mean he's speaking like a JFK Democrat. He's speaking for a gigantic section of the Democrat Party who who are Democrats, but hate the direction the party has taken. What do you think about the impact of RFK in the race? I think think it could be very significant. Uh, People have speculated that Trump might run with Kennedy, but that's not going to happen because the Republican convention would never permit a pro-choice, pro-gun control person to be be nominated. But I think there's a very good chance that Kennedy will run as a third-party candidate and attract very significant support. You really have a five-party system in the United States now. You have the MAGA Republicans on the right. Then you have the Rhino Republicans. Then you have the the establishment progressive Democrats. Then you have the movement Democrats, uh, who are not part of the party establishment, but are people who are attracted by their opposition to big tech and their opposition to a big environment and negatives on the environment, and they pretend to be Kennedy's constituency. And then you have, of course, the black vote. But um, I think that a split is coming between the Democrats who, like Biden and Buttigieg and the Democrats like Robert Kennedy. Yeah. I don't think that he's doing that well in the polling now, but I think that as the negatives on Biden sink in, 
I think there's a very good chance of a third candidacy. Uh, I I think that if RFK decided to do that, it would be the most impactful uh, negative on the Democrat Party that the Democratic Party has ever experienced. And, and we've seen third-party candidacies. I remember Ross Perot was writing comedy for Rush Limbaugh about Ross Perot. But this would be as big or bigger, I think, than uh, Ross Perot throwing his hat in the ring. It would be as big as Ross Perot, who got 20% of the vote, and half of it came right off of... Uh, uh, right off of the Democrats, and uh, but and the other half were voters who wouldn't normally vote. So I think that could be an enormous impact. But I think what's going on with funny and neat is that Trump is basically co-opting all of Kennedy's issues. He's talking about chronic diseases. He's talking about the dangers of mandatory vaccination. He's uh, talking about the uh, large banks taking over small banks in the country. He's talking about the tyranny of big pharma, the corruption of the CDC, all the stuff that Robert Kennedy talks about. And I think that that's a conscious effort by Trump to open up a new front going beyond the normal traditional Republican issues of yeah. taxes, crime, and immigration, and going into some of these populist Democratic issues that are rather new for a Republican Sunday. Let me so ask you this. The fact that Trump is dispendent on big money. Get yeah. Small donors. Please, please yeah. do that. Um, let me ask you this: a couple of things. I have said, and I know Ron DeSantis attempted to relaunch his campaign yesterday in New Hampshire, and I, I have nothing bad to say about Ron DeSantis. I'm not. I'm not here to be in the pissing matches with candidates. I, I. I believe Donald Trump is a candidate. I know he's going to be the candidate, and the reason being is he's not a candidate. He is a movement. Donald Trump yeah. has become a movement. He is. He is not Republican. The the, the GOP of Paul Ryan is uh, the fringe now. Donald Trump is the mainstream Republican Party, and, and I don't see how Ron DeSantis makes up when he's running against a movement and not a candidate. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. Ron, that's a very good way of putting it up. Uh, Ron DeSantis is uh, was the Trump-like candidate. He's a guy who would be, if you liked all of Trump's programs, you just couldn't stand him personally. You'd look at Ron DeSantis. But as Trump has morphed from being a candidate to being a movement, in the words you're saying, that I think are absolutely right. I think that DeSantis loses his relevance, and I think that's the big problem in his campaign. Uh, let me ask you this. What do you think about um, vice presidential candidates? Uh, do you think Ramaswamy might be moving up on that list? Who do you think? Is, is Trump well, going to choose somebody who is, he's going to choose somebody who is ideologically MAGA, but he's also going to want somebody who has a draw. Who's that person, Dick? Yeah, well, I think Trump made a brilliant move when he says he'll be watching the first debate, not as a participant, but as an audience. And he'll be looking at it as an audition to see who he'd like to consider as a running mate. <laughs> I and love that it, effectively yes. strangles all the other candidates. They can't say anything bad about Trump. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that though, I think that his criterion for a VP will have nothing to do with the people now running. I think it'll simply be who he feels closest to, likes the best, feels he can work with the best, because uh, Trump isn't an easy guy to work with. And uh, I think in that, from that point of view, Pence was a success right up until the last minute. And the last minute was the crucial minute. But uh, I think that, that that will reflect the way he'll choose a VP now.
Dick, I spoke to Donald Trump a couple of weeks ago, and he was kind enough to give me about 45 minutes. And uh, and I, I did not get the answer, uh, and I'm not, I don't believe I asked the question, but but um, how does he surround himself with people who won't stab in the, him in the back like they did the last time? How does he vet people, well, deep staters? How, did, how does he do that? All, all the room on his back is taken by the previous night. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. There's no, there's no room left to stab. By that, I mean, seriously, he has been through it with everybody. And uh, he's gotten, and what's left is the distillment of his bad choices. And as a result, they're good choices. People that never turned on them, and he never turned on them. A guy like Peter Navarro, for example. And um, after a while, you, uh, he runs out of people that betray him, and he gets the people who he's right to like. I think the problem with Trump is he goes into a meeting with these folks, and he does all the talking, and uh, they nod their heads. At the yes. end of the meeting, he says, wow, this guy really agreed with me on everything. He'd be a great <laughs> candidate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, we will see. I... Um... I I think that he could, if he becomes the president, have the most influential presidency with regard yeah. to overhauling the abject corruption of the of the swamp in Washington D.C. And Dick, you you've been a part. You you know Washington D.C. This yeah. could be gigantic for returning power to the people. It sure could because this would be the first time you have a president who is not elected by big money. Yeah, sixty percent of his contributions are under two hundred dollars. This guy is free to do what he wants. And having been knifed in the back by all of the special interests, the drug companies, the intelligence community, the journalist community, uh, or the new left, the progressive left, all of them, he hates them all. And, uh, and he really is motivated to go after them, and he will. I think it's interesting, Dick, and, and I would hate to be a Republican. I use this comparison. Uh, say, for instance, you're Asa Hutchinson, and you're, uh, you've got a group of five people uh, at a Mahjong tournament listening to you speak versus 80,000 people seeing a Trump rally in a town of 3,500. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious that uh, this is a movement, and he has no chance. Uh, have you ever seen something like that? Because you, you worked with the Clinton administration. Not, not, not in America. Nothing like this. Uh, nothing in like countries this. countries like India, you have politics like that, but yeah. not here. So listen, I wasn't able to give you all the time that, that Trump did, but thanks for the interview. Okay, Dick, take care of yourself. Okay. I appreciate it. I know we, we extended our time limit as much as we could here, but I know you're busy. Bye -bye. Let's take a break. Let's thanks. take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Friday edition, Friday edition, Tuesday edition of the Rob Carson Show. <laughs> Friday, I'm going to be in uh, New Hampshire broadcasting uh, from the pulse of New Hampshire across the state of New Hampshire. And I'm really looking forward to uh, going out and meeting a lot of uh, uh, people who, uh, who are uh, New Hampshire voters and whatnot and, and getting to know the, uh, the state a little bit because I'm not familiar. I'm from a uh, primary state, Iowa, and New Hampshire, the other big primary state that everybody talks about. So it'll be interesting to, uh, to see uh, you know, what that's all about. Um, let me see if I can find this here. I've got a story that I wanted to share that I thought was a little bit troubling here. Let me grab it real quick. Um, I thought I had loaded it earlier. Um, in Muslim countries, um, uh, frequently homosexuals are thrown off of buildings, executed, punished for homosexuality. And uh, this apparently has happened in, uh, in New York City. 
apparently uh, a shirtless man pumping gas in Brooklyn was stabbed to death by an offended Muslim over the weekend. Here's a little bit of a story. At a Brooklyn gas station, and it allegedly started because the victim was dancing at the pump. Eyewitness News reporter Derek Waller live in Midwood with more on the investigation. Good morning, Derek. Sterling, good morning from Coney Island Avenue and Avenue Ann, and police have now identified the victim as O'Shea Sipley, who was seen on video getting stabbed to death at this gas station over the weekend. Now take a look at that surveillance video once more, showing some of the confrontation between two groups Saturday night around 11 o'clock here at this gas station after one of the groups was dancing in the parking lot while pumping gas. The other group, including the 17-year-old boy in the red shorts, over by the front of the store. He confronts them. The victim's face is blurred in this video. Police say the boy in the red shorts, well known to this gas station, we're told, stabbed the victim and killed him. Neighbors and eyewitnesses are horrified. And he chased him uh, by the sidewalk. That's where he pulled out a knife and just stabbed him. He was just coming here using the bathroom, too much attitude with the worker. Definitely has to be, he needs he need help. So um, the victim is a gay black male, was pumping gas, dancing around in pink swim trunks. When a group of Muslims confronted him about his offensive behavior, uh, the suspect, 17-year-old Muslim male, was seen on surveillance video stabbing the victim. The suspect said, we're Muslim, don't do this in front of me. A uh, shirtless man whose friend was dancing exuberantly as they pumped gas at the Brooklyn Mobile Station was stabbed to death by the stranger who said the man's antics, antics were offensive to the killer's Muslim faith. The New York uh, Police Department is investigating the caught-on video killing as a possible hate crime. No, that's, that's yeah, that's what it was. So uh, uh, the, uh, the Muslim person was uh, offended by the gay man's behavior. Um, he was uh, uh, clad in pink swim trunks, and his buddies were hanging out there, and uh, apparently this was offensive to the... Uh, this is, I mean, this certainly this man needs to go to jail. Um, but this is, uh, you know, something that is seen in the Middle East. We don't see this in our country. But it has happened. Um, I, I, now we realize why the left always goes after the Christian faith. Because the Christian faith, they can run over. They would never say anything against the Muslim faith because they know that this is sometimes how some members of the Muslim faith react. Wholly inappropriate. It is a murder. It's not acceptable in this country. But clearly, uh, that's, that appears to be the case. That be, it appears to be the case. So uh, it's, it's a tragic story. The victim is custody, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But this is what, this is what happened. This is Sharia law in America, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? kind of Sharia law in America. We see that in places like Michigan. But now apparently it is in, uh, it is in New York City. All right, uh, that's going to do it, I guess, for the, the content uh, today, the, the big content of the portion of the show. If you want to hear the podcast of the show today, including the uh, interview with Dick Morris, just go to Newsmax.com slash listen. We're going to take a break, come back, and wrap this thing up in just one second. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. Release the transcript is trending on Twitter. People want to see the transcript of Devin Archer's uh, testimony yesterday and not just take people's word for it. Have a glorious day, guys. God bless you. I'm off tomorrow. Mary Walter in. Then you'll hear me in New Hampshire Thursday and Friday. Don't catch a stupid. See you then.